0: To be a yogi. I'm Edward Reeb, producer and host of the To Be a Yogi podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing Crystal Ariel and Israel Passos, co-founders of Kiva Yoga Institute. They are in Mexico City, Mexico. I am still in Kathmandu, Nepal. Today, we'll be discussing yoga, El Camino Rojo, Ayurvedic medicine, medicinal herbs and other plants, shamanism, the psychedelic experience, Project Green Hope, and their upcoming workshops in Spain and Thailand. And so, without further ado, let's
1: get to that interview, shall we?
2: Israel is on the phone with me, my husband Israel.
0: Oh good, hi.
1: Hi, Edward. How are you doing? I'm
0: good. I'm good. Welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast.
2: Yay! <laughs>
0: Yay! <laughs> if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, uh, letting us know your names.
2: Uh, my name is Crystal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Crystal Ariel. Crystal. Crystal Ariel. Yes, mm-hmm. and what what more should I say? Because I don't want to say too much. And...
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm always interested in, in name origins. Do you? It, it, was that your given name or a chosen name?
2: Oh, I like. I, no one has ever asked me this question before, and <laughs> I have given the answer without it being asked, but no one's actually asked. So, <laughs> um, my mother wanted to call me Crystal, mm-hmm. w- with the K. Because she loved to watch Dynasty. And then my dad really wanted to name me Ariel. Mm-hmm. So it got my second name. And I love the meaning, lioness of God. I mm. feel like every time every time I think about that I have that name and what it means, it just makes me want to roar.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. But then Crystal also, so it's like a particular image.
2: Yeah, I've... I've Actually met a lot of people through my recent journeys that have been changing their names according to what they feel most reflects who they are inside. And I feel like Crystal is just such a great reflection of who I am in so many ways. And I'm really yeah. grateful to have the name.
0: Yeah. I, um, I have another podcast called What Would Yeshi Do? little plug there. And uh, Yeshi Tsogil, the mother of Tibetan Buddhism, at one point achieved the rainbow diamond body. So it kind of makes me Ooh. think of like like a crystal lioness of God, something like that. And, and, yeah, and speaking true. of uh, Jerusalem, because it's also another name for Jerusalem, uh, Israel, how about your name? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, I was raised uh, Catholic because of my mother. Mm-hmm. And um, she just fell in love with uh, with the name. Um, mm-hmm. I asked her like what the name meant for her, and she said to me that it uh, for her, it means, he who is one with God. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved it.
0: That's beautiful. So, yoga, you guys have founded, uh, what's the name of your organization?
2: Kiva Yoga Institute.
0: Yay. And where are you based?
2: We are in Mexico City.
0: Cool. I have to go to Mexico City. I haven't been.
2: Yes. Come over. We have so much to share.
0: How cool. I'll, I will do that as soon as I get back to California, but I'm not sure when that will be.
2: <laughs> You're in India right now, right?
0: I'm in uh, Kathmandu. It's, uh, I, I came to Nepal because I wanted to come to the birthplace of the Buddha uh, at the beginning of my journey. But then I ended up going to Africa first because that's kind of the birthplace of humanity. Not that that's the reason I went, but I ended up going there. So it's sort of a, a long pilgrimage that's inclusive so i'm going to be in india on april 4th and among other things uh getting more yoga training so i can be a better teacher and whatnot that's
1: i'm
2: awesome. not sure where that's yet <laughs> where in africa did you go
0: south africa near the zimbabwe border um i have another uh podcast called the Esoteric nerd which is you can pretty much sound it out and uh i, I interviewed these guys <laughs> that uh the brother-in-law used to run the Scientology Center there, and, but then they stopped and they turned it into this new organization that includes like Buddhism and different things, and I was there teaching yoga and Western esotericism. Uh, but it has an African core because there's no organization like that, so they decided to create one that where they study like everything from around the world, but at the center of it is traditional African instead of something like Christian or Hindu or something so
2: that's amazing right
0: so i had yes. to go you know and check it out and it's a friend of mine so that's running it so um that's cool it's called the the gnostic church of the black sun kuho you wow but what it's spelled like kuho like k-u-h-o-h-u three words so people can google okay. that and uh discover my other podcasts <laughs> <laughs> but, but what, do you, what do you do in your organization you teach yoga you you is there a location
1: um, well, we have a very similar calling as your friend. Uh, we basically, it, it's syncretism at its best. We mm. combine uh, perspectives, philosophies, uh, ways of life in a way uh, to help people find their own path. Nice.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of Mexican influence because we are in Mexico mm-hmm. and we work a lot with Temascals. And plant medicine mm. and elemental medicine and different kinds of medicines that tribes that are still living and still were not just tribes but communities nomads nice. that are still living mm. and sharing their medicine sharing their their heritage with us so that's oh, the really beautiful part about being here
0: nice
1: so and it's to yoga answer plus. your question
2: about Mm -hmm. sorry to answer your question about if we have a location we didn't but Mm. just last week we confirmed that we finally have a retreat center in Hico, veracruz
0: how cool (laughs) yeah nice and so uh who were some of your most influential teachers uh along the path that brought yoga or or who do you imitate (laughs) i have the people that i imitate you know what i mean
2: I I really wanted to think of a person when you asked me that, but the first thing I thought about were plants. Mm. And I feel like at first, I looked up to different teachers um, that I had, nobody that anybody would would know by name, but Mm -hmm. people that were special because of how n- not famous they were <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like they were they were very humble very to themselves very not needing for their names to be known by anybody else and yeah. that was very inspiring and in the same way plants they just they they know how to be hmm. they know how to be so present there's this telepathic language that they speak with themselves and with us and I have learned so much about myself and Mm. been able to grow so much because of this communication that I've been able to have with plants.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've also had some experience with dimethyltryptamine. (laughs) (laughs) We we actually, a couple of episodes ago, we we talked about that. The link between Kundalini and uh, the natural DMT produced in the brain that we can kind of zero in on an experience for a long period of time by way of, of course, ayahuasca. Do you guys have any experience with that?
1: Yeah, we actually, uh, we have brothers here in Mexico uh, that are shamans from Huichol, Herencia, how do you say? um, Heritage. Heritage. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we, um, they use uh, what they call the blue cosmic deer or hikuri, which is Mm. a peyote. Wow. And in... It's a similar to ayahuasca in the sense of the velada you start at 1 2 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. and you go all night with icaros uh, singing and going deep into your into yourself mm. and it, it's quite it's quite an experience and not, you mentioned Kundalini uh, one of our friends in the last temazcal ceremony after she felt Kundalini and Quetzalcoatl mm. which is the 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 feathered serpent in English, and wow. they were uh, running running up her spine, and she painted it in such a beautiful way. I'm not even gonna try. Yeah,
2: Kundalini <laughs> was the female energy snake, and Quetzalcoatl was the male energy snake, and they were mm. united like the like the medicinal sign. Wow. Medicine sign. How yeah, cool. it was pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> nice.
2: And the Icaros actually. Um, I have written some music throughout some years and mm-hmm. I've been really called to write ikaros lately and ikaros I found out were these songs that either are passed down from shaman to apprentice mm-hmm. or through these fast through fasting the plant so if you're going to start working with peyote, then you would not have any food. You would not have any water. You would basically just fast the peyote and have Mm. the peyote in your body. And these Icaros would come from the inside of your spirit to teach you the song of the plant so that by you singing this song, the power and the wisdom of the plant would be open to you. Mm. It's such a beautiful... (laughs) It's such a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. How cool. Yeah, Yeah, that makes me think of... uh... Sort of a shamanic take on the Bodhi tree, like that, that people know that Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree, but they usually don't think about the tree, like that there was a union happening, like the link between meditation and, you know, plants. It's interesting. Yeah. So you guys teach. We share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you Andrew have events, have this... people come around...
2: Yeah, we have um, we have workshops mm-hmm. and classes locally here and retreats. Yeah, nice. we do
1: retreats uh, all over the world, but uh, yeah, neither Kusla and I are like very. Um, yeah, we just we we don't see ourselves as teachers, but more like just people that are sharing our paths and um, yeah. Yeah, nice.
0: Where have you had retreats?
2: The first one was in Deposlan, which is this little magical town outside of Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And it has a... It has a monastery or a temple. Like it's a, a Buddhist monastery. Mm. Like
1: that. How cool. Mm. And that's a temple.
2: It's a temple on, on top of the hill. Um, we didn't actually get to go to that temple. Mm-hmm. But the reason I tell you that is because there it's known to be this town that there's a lot of beautiful spiritual energy going through there. Mm. And so we did a lot of introspection yoga climbing hills going through uncharted paths which what we really like to do because that's when you're that's when you're communing with nature nothing has disturbed her and you're going out in there you're going out to learn from her and yeah. experience and um, our second one was in Tulum mm-hmm. that one was amazing
1: we were at the heart of the Sianacan uh, biosphere reserve mm mm-hmm. uh, basically like kilometers away from any civilization it was just uh the ten of us and we also had um ceremonies with mushrooms mm-hmm. and just the the way we uh we could, we were able to observe the the milky way and, and and become one with the stars and the ocean i mean words can't even describe what we'll, yeah. what we saw that night yeah it's it's really difficult
2: the most amazing part of that retreat was that we nobody spoke for 5 hours. And that is that is wow for me because to get a group of people that for for most of the time were very talkative, were very active
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then you get into this sacred space where just the elements are there working with you. The wind is blowing you have the water right next to you, your feet are in the earth mm-hmm. and the fire is blazing and everyone sets their intentions. And there's a lot of importance or, or honor and respect given to the space yeah. that you understand something, something beyond anything you could ever imagine is coming to be with you and just be present. Mm-hmm. And the intensity of that presence what is there to say there's everything is and you just are and so everything becomes felt and there the need for words just you understand that there's such a deeper level a deeper way to communicate and you find peace in that stillness it's yeah and uh and then this last one we had in hiko Mm -hmm. which is going to be where the retreat center is going to happen oh nice
1: there was a jicoes on top of a, of a mountain. Mm-hmm. It's a tropical forest. And so it's, uh, you have a lot of uh, rivers and waterfalls, th- lots of nature. Mm. And this particular time we did the peyote ceremony. So we, we were communicated w- with spirit at a very, very deep level. Uh, we had veladas, caminatas... The singing of icaros, and then Mm. we had also yoga. We did asanas, meditation. Was yeah,
2: yeah. We we find um, combining these ancient practices because it's not that one is better than the other, right, or the other. The I mean, we create the duality, but really, it all just is. And so, when you bring it together on the same. On the same piece of land, it's just like, wow, so Mm. much.
0: Yeah, at the same time. And yoga, after all, is Sanskrit for union.
2: Exactly.
1: And it's also uh, uniting medicines because Mm. one thing that we always mention is how we we are medicine for we might be medicine for somebody else Mm. just by virtue of being who we are. Uh, A word, uh, a touch can be. Anything that the other person needs to yeah. to break through or or heal. No?
0: And when we stop poisoning ourselves for a while, our bodies naturally heal themselves. <laughs> we literally mm-hmm. are medicine.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That sounds great. I look forward to visiting and going to one of the workshops.
2: Yes, please. That would be amazing. <laughs>
0: How cool. Do you guys, are you, have you been to India or do you plan to go?
2: We actually were planning to go this December. We have not nice. been to India. This
0: and... will be my first time too.
2: Um, when are you going?
0: April 4th.
2: Oh. oh, that's right. You did say that.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get a six month visa.
1: And where are you going to stay in India?
0: Oh, um, I'm, uh, let's see. There's people on this podcast that I've interviewed, um, Shikhar and Yogesh and a few others, Amandeep on, a, on the Esoteric Nerd, that I'm gonna be visiting in Delhi and Mumbai and Visakhapatnam, oh, there's a guy named Chitta wow. in Visakhapatnam. And then after I'm done visiting everybody that's been on the podcast, then, um, well, or before, I don't know in what order I'm gonna do everything, but I have to go to the pilgrimage sites where, cause I've been where, you, where Buddha was born in Lumbini, Nepal. And then uh, the Bodh Gaya, where he meditated under the Bodhi tree. And there's two other places that I should really know their names, but somehow uh, some of these names just won't stick in my brain. Uh, but it's where he, where he taught and then where he died. And um, wow. so I've got to do that, or I want to do that. And uh, so there's a lot of places to go. I think I've committed to visit people just all over India.
2: Well, please let us know because uh, we, we're going to be going in December. And oh, cool. Any information that you can.
0: Yeah. I'll be broadcasting from way. there, I'm sure. Yeah. I'll be interviewing people okay. there, doing a people's second and fifth interviews, and depending on who. But yeah, I was joking the other day that I, I've committed to visit more people in India than there are people that I know in the United States. <laughs> 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 so, it's kind of fun.
2: That's amazing, though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and then after I so. I've visited everyone and gone through all the pilgrimage sites, then I'm going to pick a school and uh, go for my 300-hour or 500-hour, whatever they call it these days, because I've got my 200-hour from California, but uh, it'd be nice to get some training in India. It seems more proper.
2: I understand what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> we, I've actually um, learned a lot of, about Ayurveda being in mm-hmm. Mexico, oddly enough, and... I don't, I, I'm not going to put any names because I don't know who what's right and what's wrong, but mm-hmm. basically learning by reading, because you're learning based on people, we were talking about this the other day, people that right. are westernized and or bringing their version, and sometimes you read three or four or five books and they all say something different, mm. <laughs> and it's like... Okay, well, which one is it? Is it yes or is it no? Is it sometimes? Yeah. And so going to the source, yeah, definitely. I, I want to meet with the people that haven't written books, but they're actually there um, healing people every day, and they know yeah. what works and what doesn't.
0: My, uh, one of my teachers, uh, the man who owns the studio that I've been working at here in Kathmandu, uh, Kanchan, he was in the previous episode, actually. Um, he was telling me the other day, because he was imparting a lot of his point of view about a lot of things. And uh, then he was saying, This is, this is my experience, knowledge and experience that I'm giving to you, but take it only as information. Don't mistake it for knowledge and experience. Just file it away, you know, like just keep it with the other data. Like, you know, like it's not something to identify yourself with, what I'm saying, you know. And I, 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 just, I appreciated what he was saying. And we were talking about Manipura the uh, digestion chakra where we digest our food and some of it becomes part of who we are and some of it doesn't. And similarly, we digest information and some of it Mm -hmm. informs how we live our lives and some of it doesn't. And that's how we create our character. And it was, yeah, it was a good conversation.
2: (laughs) Sounds
1: like it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like we're so used to social media and, and digital. I don't know, like watching Netflix and all those things, and we don't mm. realize that we are actually ingesting ideas, and those ideas, in one, one way or another, will become us. Yeah, toxins yeah, of the mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I once read a really good example. Like um, they mention how you wouldn't normally open the door to to a stranger, uh, just to let them inside your house, and yet we do it through our computer. We just open, turn on our phones, and we let all these strange thoughts and ideas just come yeah. blasting through the skin without any uh, discriminating from the, from the mind, from yeah. the higher mind.
0: It's mm. yeah. so true. And a lot of it gets in that we don't realize. I had this bizarre experience the other day where... uh, What I should have been thinking was, gee, I should go take care of my Indian visa, but what I was thinking was, oh, I'm feeling kind of down today, so I'm going to go for a walk. And I decided at each intersection to turn right or left, you know, at the last moment and decide... You know and I, I had no idea where the Indian Embassy was and I hadn't looked into it. I walked straight to the Indian Embassy and I had never been there so I, you know oh, wow. it was very it was very interesting because when I got there, I thought, oh yeah, I should take care of this and sure enough, that was my last day to take care of it in time for me to be able to go, wow. on, to, go on this trek that I'm going on on the 17th but um, so yeah, it was pretty amazing and I, I was left wondering, you know of course, and I it, the most sort of Al- Occam's razor, rational, scientific point of view in myself uh, could only conclude that when I looked at the map, it subconsciously I memorized the map. And deep down somewhere I knew that that was the day I had to take care of that. And therefore I made myself get depressed and decide to go for a walk and walked myself there. You know, like it, it was, it's kind of amazing, you know, like uh, the the higher self or you know, had to have an actual kind of experience that I can point to and go, wow, that that's inexplicable, except for that. There's some part of me that I'm not aware of behind the conscious self.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Sorry. I'm <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, no. we're enjoying the conversation. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, why don't what tell, let us know? Give us a little bit more info about you. I know you do these podcasts, and I know you're all over India. <laughs> and Not that's yet. it.
0: No. Yeah. Not yet. Well, no, then China. My dad was born in Shanghai, um, oh, wow. so I, I have to go to Shanghai. You know, of course. And there's uh, people I've committed to visit in China, including uh, people who there's a, a woman that came to my class here in Kathmandu, and she has a bunch of. Um, Indian belly dancing students they're all Chinese but they do Indian belly dancing so she wants me to come teach yoga to her students so
2: interesting yeah
0: right and so I've been teaching for two and a half months here in Kathmandu and then I'm going to be teaching in China and uh in Varnasi, there's a place that they have a big space in the back and I, I know the dad of the guy who runs it I mean I met him here and uh so they said I can teach yoga at their place so that's interesting you know I'll be learning and teaching as I go. So I, I'm not losing my... Because for, for a while I was thinking, oh, I'm losing my... I don't even remember what it's like to teach a class. And then I went to a class and the teacher didn't show up. and So I ended up being the, the new teacher. and uh, Wow. Yeah. So I taught way more often in Kathmandu than I ever did in, in California.
2: <laughs> I feel like you just fall into things. Right? The, the last two stories you've said, you've just kind of fallen into the right place. <laughs>
1: yeah it, it feels like a like a Taoist, you know you know just go with the flow. oh yeah and...
0: yeah and end up in the right place
1: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah. Just being yourself. I mean,
0: yeah yeah for sure
2: something it's... like that happened to us today because we were supposed to go to a lake and israel was like no i have stuff to do i need to go and do it and then we can go to the lake mm-hmm. and just the way that the world works or the universe works. We got home and we ended up just taking it very easy. And I'm like, I, I feel like life just wanted you to take it easy today, whether you liked it or not.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Definitely pulls you in the direction that you're supposed to go.
1: Yeah. And, and what's the style of yoga that you're teaching?
0: Um, usually Hatha Vinyasa. Um, it's what I kind of got used to teaching for four years at Crunch Fitness in Hollywood. Um, sort of a power vinyasa I like to throw in some uh some chanting where I can and when it seems like people are receptive to it um and uh you know pranayamic breathing and all the things that kind of go into that sort of westernized version of yoga um but I do a pretty good shavasana like a hypnotic (laughs) relaxation you know like thing at the end and, and there's this uh adjustment that I think is based in um Uh, Thai massage, where you like, you know, lift the person up and fix their shoulders and pull their head up and all kinds of stuff, and I love it. It's my favorite adjustment. Um,
1: Okay, so I I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So (laughs) the the level. So how do you feel about the level of stiffness of people depending on the country that you're in?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. <sighs> well, I, <laughs> I don't, hope I don't get myself in trouble here. No, but they, <laughs> I, I've I've noticed that people from uh, Nepal, and um, and generally from you know, like from from Japan and Korea tend to have very tight shoulders, where um, mm-hmm. some of these like, but it might depend on who it is. It's it's a different uh, slice of the population because. The, the Europeans that are here, a lot of them are here for trekking, so they're athletic. And so they, they have loose shoulders because they are paying attention to their shoulders one way or the other, whether they're doing yoga or not. But I meet the ones that are going to come to a yoga class. Where on the other hand, there's a whole lot of tourists that are uh, coming in from China and Korea and, and Japan that decide, oh, well, while I'm here, I'm going to do a yoga class. And so I've been teaching people their very first yoga class. So like the idea of not... Carrying a ton of tension around in your shoulders is a new idea. So, it, but it's not necessarily because of the country, but it's because of who from the country. Because I, I know there's a lot of people walking around Europe with tight shoulders, too. <laughs> so they just start in Kathmandu going to yoga classes is the thing.
1: <laughs> we were invited to give a lecture in Hidalgo um, mm. to some entrepreneurs. And we're talking about yoga and one of the teachers mentioned a book called El Verbo de las Culturas, which means the, the verb of the cultures. Mm. And so th- um, this author basically assigned a verb to different cultures around the world. Mm-hmm. And the verb for the American culture is do, mm. like people are, are doers. And then the French is pense or, or think. Mm. And what I found really interesting was the the verb for Mexicans mm-hmm. well, was uh, aguantar, which means uh, to uh, like, to hold or to to endure. endure. Mm. And and that's one of the things that we've noticed when we teach uh, asana classes here in Mexico. The people you can see they they're stiff because they are used to enduring uh, yeah. circumstances of the country or, or, or life in general. Yeah. And it's just funny to see how the, those uh, circumstances that, that exist in the country actually are being reflected at the physical uh, level, the, the body of, of people.
0: Yeah. It just makes me think that each of us is like a, a brain cell in, a, in the brain of, of the earth or the universe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Have you had any? Have you had any energetic experiences? I oh guess? sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. My my dad was a big weirdo, but my grandfather was very rational. So I grew up with sort of a split personality, where I was very skeptical about the balls of energy that I was throwing across the room with my dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, so we were doing a a Tibetan tantric yoga uh, chant every morning with uh, a bell and using the Dorja or Vajra to uh, illuminate the third eye and raise the Kundalini when I was five. So, you know, it was, wow. it was a lot of, it, 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 the, the nice thing was, you know, after, of course, he, we stopped doing it, he passed away uh, when I was 15. And then I, I kind of went on my own journey to learn all the things that he must have known or might have been able to teach me. But so, so I found different teachers and learned different things over the years. And uh, sort of most recently got into yoga uh, as a result of listening to a lot of Alan Watts to try to cult deprogram, mm. <laughs> you know, and then uh, and he pointed me to the Shobo Genzo, uh, the Japanese uh, Zen texts that were the scribes that were writing down everything Dogen said when he came back from China with Zen or Chan. And... Uh, And he kept talking about lotus position and how important it was. And he said that the the full lotus pose is the Buddha mind seal that was passed down from Amitabha Mm. to all the other Buddhas. And that's why they sit that way. And, you know, so, of course, I couldn't sit that way. So that was really my motive for getting into yoga, was to be able to Mm. sit in proper meditation, according to this 13th century Japanese raving (laughs) monk. (laughs) No, I I love Dogen. um, Yeah, so...
2: I feel like that's such a that's such a an elevated way or an elevated reason to want to get into yoga. It's so yeah. much better than mine.
0: What's yours?
2: Oh no, I really don't want to say now. But um...
0: I can edit out mine. No.
2: No, no, no please keep it. I mean. I saw someone in a really cool pose on Instagram and I was like, I'm going to do that. And that's how it all started. (laughs) There's that too?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I'm leaving out. I had a few crushes on a few yoga teachers from the time I was young, you know, so there's that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, wow. That's really awesome. So your family was all very much into meditation and Zen and spiritualism and energy. And since you were young,
0: I'd say my, my parents certainly were, um, they, they ended up splitting up and my mom got more into, well, she, it was a, it was her generation. Like she's, she remembered when they were teaching women that their place was in the kitchen in high schools, you know? So, so she had that burning rage (laughs) of that generation. She was that generation. So, um, so she became one of the top women executives in the 80s and had the silver Corvette and everything and was the, the president of the Women's Architectural League in uh, Pasadena and uh, vice president of the American Institute of Architects. Like she had a kind of a big moment in 1987. Yeah, wow. She designed a you big go church. Mom. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, yeah, but she passed away also when I was uh, 19. So,
2: mm.
0: So yeah, they both were weirdos. And then they both well she was more focused on on you know sort of 80s uh rising in the corporate ladder kind of kind of uh you know it was it made sense for her for where she was coming from you know but mm-hmm. it also informed a lot of what I don't do uh, i mean i guess I maybe you could say i'm doing it in my own way she would go to las vegas and get really upset if everything wasn't if she wasn't having exactly the right kind of fun that she was trying to have you know where mm-hmm. Where I go to Kathmandu and I'm totally fine with nothing happening, something happening and then being open to things and discovering that coming from that place allows for the universe to to bring things in. I wasn't expecting. And it's it's been pretty great. So, you know, we learn from the mistakes of our (laughs) of our parents. Absolutely. (laughs) Basically. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, but they definitely put me on the path. And uh, after my dad died, and I wanted to get into all this metaphysics, my mom went right with me and helped guide me toward what she thought that my dad would have wanted me to get into. So, yeah,
1: that's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs>
1: and have you ever been to Mexico?
0: I've been to uh, let's see. My mom at one point owned property in uh, Mexicali briefly, Okay. and yeah. um, and then I've been to Tijuana, uh, of course, many times to get drugs not you know drugs that get you high but drugs that uh lower your blood pressure <laughs> you know so you don't need a prescription and they're much cheaper not for myself but for other people
1: yeah we would love to have you here in- oh thank you <laughs> yeah whenever whenever you want to we'll come over here it's um Crystal and i even though we're, we're like really into yoga there there's such uh there's so much knowledge from from ancient knowledge as well here in mexico but it's not as n- known as yoga yeah um, there's something called el camino rojo or the the red path mm. and it's uh it's an oral tradition there's really no uh nothing re- written and you you have to be with uh, shamans or in nature to really experience what what it's all about but it is pretty much very similar to yoga in the sense that it's a union with body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. But once you combine that with the with yoga, it becomes something so much, that's so, so powerful.
0: Mm. Yeah. So definitely. when you come
1: here, we're going to do temazcal and all of that. Cool. <laughs> that sounds great.
0: <laughs> yeah, yoga definitely supercharges things. <laughs>
2: absolutely definitely to hmm. mind body and spirit is really important to to balance ourselves because if we're only focusing on the body like the, um, how i used to be before just focusing on the physical yogi mm-hmm. then you can still be a crazy overly emotional dramatic good-looking yeah. looking physical yogi.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a good place to start though <laughs>
2: It is a very good. Well, that's where I started, so yeah, I yeah. I can't complain. I really can't. But <laughs> you definitely have to continue looking at all aspects of yourself to continue growing because uh, you never stop. You yeah. know, it's a, it's not. It doesn't even feel like mind, body, and spirit. It feels like each of those three break into three. That break into three infinity.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's this great example by uh, Swami Janashvara. Mm-hmm. He equates the, our being to the tumblers in, on a keyhole. And basically you have to train the, all the different aspects of your being in order to get to Atman. Mm. Because if you focus only on a few, you will never reach the, the center of consciousness mm. or your Atman. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So, yeah, it's, it's 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 a ballet for sure.
0: Yeah, I like um, there's one aspect or one, you know, there's a lot of useless things I learned in Western esoterica, but there's some useful ones. Uh, One of the one of the things I used to always teach was about uh, the zodiac and how each of us is the sun emanating all the 12 colors, the 12 signs of the zodiac. And to to say, well, I was born into this flesh suit. On this particular day, therefore, I am a Aries and not a Capricorn is really kind of a base interpretation of these mysteries and symbols. And to the, so basically encouraging people to own the whole spectrum instead of walking around. And I, I find it over here, too. Someone told me, oh, you're a horse. This is going to be a very bad year for you. Watch out for dogs. You know, you're going to get injured. <laughs> All this other stuff. I'm like, are you serious? You know, and I mean, it's everywhere you go, like in it, this sort of medieval um Mentality, just at least in the uh, the old the, the old scripts, like in the Old Testament, there's people stoning each other, but usually Episcopalians mm-hmm. don't stone each other. You know what I mean? It's, it's similar <laughs> here in the East.
1: <laughs> but that, that's something that we all have to do. We we need to experience who we are not in order to figure out in order, in order to figure out who we really are. Yeah, so make all these mistakes, and eventually we'll we'll, Find we'll the be center. able to say, okay, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah,
2: and you know what I I like the the zodiac, and I I believe that there's something to astrology and the stars and the moon and and the alignment of the planets.
0: Yeah, well, it's I am, I have, I think, I feel, I will, I analyze, we balance, and so on. But the thing the, the thing is, we all do all of those things, and so. But I think people get too stuck in I am a Pisces, you know, therefore mm-hmm. this is how yeah. I'm going to live my life, or I am a Virgo, therefore this is how I'm going to live my life. Like there might be something to it, but I th- usually the people, there's there's like the people who think it's all BS and then there's the people who take it way too seriously. And I think that, <laughs> I mean, I think that of course my interpretation is the correct one. You know, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm I feel willing like at, to accept at that the end of the day,
2: <laughs> At the end of the day, it's it should be taken as maybe... Maybe there is something to it, but it's yeah. inspirational and if I want to take it as inspiration, yeah, then great, but it doesn't doesn't make you who you are
0: right and they're useful they're symbols in poetry, like we can use a flower to you know, to talk about something, or we can use Aries or Taurus to point out certain uh i mean it's interesting like the uh the the age of Taurus was when they were building pyramids, I guess, so it was sort of. All about agriculture and property, and and now we're moving into Aquarius, out of belief and into knowledge. So that rings true. I don't know. It's fun, fun stuff.
2: <laughs> it is. And um, you just got me thinking. I, I I'm pretty sure astrology is what helped me to bring a deeper sense of self awareness. And then mm. and then after I had it, I kind of just. I kind of just let it go. But because I started looking into the houses and all that stuff, it was bringing more awareness into who am I? What are my behaviors? What are, what is my, what is my chart? And then once I finally got who I am, I didn't need some, I didn't need an astrology reading to tell me what was going to happen because I knew that I was going to create my life.
0: Nice. Uh,
2: okay. I, I feel like my stories get like so heated and passionate and then they just drop, <laughs>
1: <Then> they just <laughs> drop. <laughs> I, I was thinking about what our friend nora uh, does she she, uh, she reads the mayan
2: calendar that, oh yeah that's, that's, Solkin. R- that's amazing
1: mm. and so it, it's basically the the Solkin also tells you like your nature at the, the time where you were born. You know, mm-hmm. like how everything was. Um, it, it's really interesting, but it's really complex.
2: It gives you the path. Like um, there are symbols. Like if if Mayan Mayan glyphics, Mayan hieroglyphics. Glyphs. Are it, hieroglyphics what? only in Egypt? Well, let's call it Mayan glyphics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like little Mayan glyphics in different colors. Red, mm-hmm. yellow, blue, white. Mm -hmm. And they have different carvings with different personalities or personas, like um, Bridger of Worlds or the Magician, and and they all have, or the Eagle, and they all have really deep meanings. And then I forget how many there are, but she builds this path just kind of like you would your natal chart. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the stories in each block. We were trying to figure it out, like where you are in your life, on your path. And then eventually, I don't know if everybody comes to this conclusion, but at least Israel and I decided we've walked this path many times in this life already. Like we yeah. just keep circulating around this path. Yeah. Because you can be everywhere at any time, depending mm. on the situation.
0: Makes sense to me, the multiverse cartography
1: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly
0: I've had past life memories that overlap in time so are they past life memories or am I tapping into some Akashic record is it in the DNA all of the above it's interesting I mean it's nice to have an experience and then look to like well how can I explain this you know I don't know it's it's sort of fun but I think letting go of the, the need to rationally explain something that's irrational i mean you know something in not in the sense of irrational therefore it's not true but irrational like it's outside of rational it doesn't adhere to the to the laws of the human perception of its senses
1: <laughs> basically yeah exactly yeah. Hmm. yeah yeah you start wondering like what what are dreams it's, yeah we just we have no idea that's that i think that's the reality hmm. We try to explain them through science and, and what we think we know, but we really have no idea. I think I was in a big, wide-open space. Yeah, I was. Oh, but it was a
0: prison. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I was. I, I didn't want to be in that big, wide-open space, but it was an old. It was an old prison. How crazy! But the night before, I was in uh, like a prayer, like a little shrine, and I, I. I didn't know I was dreaming at the time, but when I woke up, I was impressed that. The dream was so simple and so like it was for so long. I just spent a lot of time in this little, like prayer cave that someone had showed me, and then I went in by myself later, and then I just woke up after spending like a substantial amount of time in a little cave with nothing, no animals, no people, no one bothered me. But it was a dream. It was great. Wow. I had one. My favorite one. Uh, was a well, one of my favorites was a few years ago, and I knew I was dreaming. And there was a big warehouse, and I went inside, and there was water um, on the ground. I don't know what was going on, but there was water dripping also. And I closed the door, and I went and meditated, knowing I was dreaming, thinking about how it's nice to meditate in a dream because I don't have all the little aches and pains of the body. And I was looking at the door and a lot of time passed. It was one of those where it was like, I was there for half an hour and I was looking at the door and I knew that no one was going to walk in. And I knew that if I were to think someone's going to walk in, someone would walk in, but I had control over that impulse. And so I knew that no one was going to walk in. It was, it was pretty good. (laughs) Sort of a calibrating, like here I am. Okay, good. (laughs)
1: I'm thinking about the 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 dream I told you about so for me, my favorite dream was um we're at like at a at a ball at a party in a castle mm-hmm. and a sage approached me and I said, You need to find this other sage and he's here, but you need to look for him. Mm-hmm. so I went all over the castle in every single room and and I couldn't find him could' find it spent i don't know hours trying to find it and then all of a sudden i go all the way to the top of, of the castle and I looked down and there was this book that it was just open and then I stared at that book and then I I realized it was the same castle and that the sage was there but I had to jump I had to jump into the book in mm. order to to, to, to to be able to talk to him so I jumped from the roof and into the book and I ended up in the same castle that I already was but I had found them. oh wow and I started talking to this yeah I don't know if that makes sense, but... Do you remember what really he beautiful. said? Um, no, no, not the actual words. Wow. I'm,
2: I feel like I may have had another favorite, but I just can't remember. But this was definitely one that sticks out. And I had it like seven years ago or six years ago. And I was in a city like Manhattan and... It was rainy, and it was really dark, and I was on the top of the buildings like a gargoyle. I wasn't a gargoyle, but I was like hunching over like a gargoyle, and I felt so much fear and sadness and depression, and there was something that was telling me to jump, and I was at the top of the building. And it always seemed like something was following me, but I never saw anything. It was just the feeling like something was following me. And so I finally jump, and I'm flying. It's not a graceful fly, it's like a flapping kind of fly, but I'm flying nonetheless. And I'm flying all around the dark, rainy city, and all of a sudden the landscape starts changing, and I'm... I'm rushing to get out of there. I'm just going as fast as I can, flapping my arms, and then all of a sudden I'm in this suburban area that's a little less dark, and then I fly past this canal, and then I'm in a more farm kind of place, but there's still houses, and then eventually I get so far away, and I see this weeping willow tree, and I and it's just there by itself and i was like oh my god that's the most beautiful weeping willow tree <laughs> and as i as i start flying closer the middle part opens like a curtain and i go in and i somehow changed size to like a fairy size without even noticing it and i the curtains close behind me And there's so many flowers, pink, red, purple, yellow, green, every color you can think of, every variety of flower, it's just like a fairyland oasis in there. And then I saw my best friend who, a lot thanks to her, I was able to really go down this path because she had traveled so much before and lived working in in farms in Europe and just backpacking everywhere so she learned a lot and she experienced a lot and she brought that wisdom back for me and i saw her there and it was just like oh i'm home and now being here in mexico i feel like maybe it was some kind of a foretelling needing to get out of the city to get out of the concrete to come closer to nature to come closer where things are raw and organic and, and full of color and life
0: we're recording again by the way
2: this is kind of a nice little segue for me to tell you about Project Green Hope. It initially started because we were living in a a community. It's it's kind of like a apartment complex, but there are multiple buildings, and so it's gated and it becomes a commun a community of itself. It's called La Unidad. And the rooftops in Mexico are pretty much empty. They're flat and they are, they can, usually they can carry enough weight to put something on top, but they're all empty. So we wanted a way to bring income to the community, because the way a lot of the communities are here, there's, there's a lot of corruption, and there's not a lot of things getting done, because when someone goes in there, the, you know, the money disappears, or whatever happens with it, right? But it doesn't go to where it needs to go. So we, we're thinking of a way to try and make the community self-sustainable so they wouldn't have to worry about having a president. They can just organize themselves, create a rooftop garden, create a distribution system so when these things that we know are selling or we know are in high demand, we can we can create on the roof and then sell it to cafes, restaurants, and markets around. And, and, and the community would be able to be self-sustainable. They'd have their own food and they'd have money from the production that they sell to be able to do whatever they need to to rise up. And so Project Green Hope was born from that.
0: How long have you been doing that?
2: Not very long. It was um, the, um, at the end of last year. At the end of last year. Nice. And the first cool. thing we did was go to Basham. It's a law firm but they also have a um, a non-profit, an organization, mm-hmm. and so they agreed to help Project Green Hope Pro Bono so that we could get any legal questions, services we need through them to get this project started. And we've nice. been going to workshops around the city and learning more about permaculture, learning about how to build rooftop gardens, learning a lot about mushrooms. Mushrooms are amazing. Do you know about mushrooms?
0: <laughs> a bit, but I, I'd love to hear more. <laughs>
2: uh, well, we learned that we ha- we share 88% DNA with mushrooms.
0: Mm, interesting.
2: 88? Yes. Wow. 80 or 88. Um, sometimes I can be a little uh, stick, sticky with the audio learning because I'm a visual learner. So when mm-hmm. I hear things, sometimes I double it. Or... <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and that's the reason why they are so they are such great teachers for us and yeah. such great healers for our bodies because they know exactly what, what we need and they have 80 or 88% of exactly mm. what we need.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And they're coming at it from a very different perspective.
2: They are. And I actually thought it was a vegetable for a very long time and mm. they actually have their own kingdom. And the mycelium are the, the network that they have underground, the way that they talk to each other mm-hmm. is just so intelligent. Back to my love for plants. They're yeah. not even plants, they're little aliens.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that they um, are, I've had sort of the experience that pointed to the idea that um, for when we take mushrooms, they get to be human for a while. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that they, wow. they get to network, instead of their usual mushroom network underground, they get to network through our nervous system and take a look at us and go, hmm, that's weird, you know, and then, you know, rearrange things. And sometimes we resist and, you know, sometimes we don't. And it, it's, yeah, it's a trip. I don't know if that's true or if that's just the ravings of a uh, of a man on hallucinogens, but...
1: No, but it, what, it, sounded you
0: know, it sounded amazing. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure
2: that I've definitely felt exactly that at one of yeah. The ceremonies.
0: Yeah. They get to be mushrooms and we get to be humans. And for a while, the rocks like, seem like they're, they're there for the party. You know, like I, I, I got the sense that each little rock was like a little eye, but it didn't see the same way that I was seeing. You know, <laughs> things like that. Like I, When I would close my eyes, I'd see eyes everywhere. I got to that place in Joshua Tree. And, uh, and then when I would open my eyes and I'd look at little pebbles, each one was an eye. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, not like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm and now I just sound crazy. I'm definitely going to edit this part out. No, but it, it wasn't <laughs> like, I was, like physical eyes, you know, but it was more like they, they were astral eyes that were so present that, you know, it was, it was just right in front of me. Like, the plants were definitely there, but, like, the like the line between animate and inor- inanimate, you know, the life and not life, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, organized yeah. life versus just a rock, like, that in the rock is the stardust that if given the right circumstances will dance its way into something like a multicellular organism, you know? So it's kind of like, what's the difference between, you know, potential and, and realized life energy, you know?
1: Well, it's, it's about the sensors that we have. No, we we don't perceive the entirety of reality.
0: Yeah. When,
1: when Chris and I were living in Miami, uh, we had this plant called Kendrick, and one day we went out and we were wa- watering Kendrick.
2: He's a money mm-hmm. tree. That's why mm. his name is Kendrick.
1: Nice. And, and and I mentioned to Chris, like Kendrick right now, he cannot perceive us. He doesn't see us the way we see him. Mm. But to him, something is happening. Yeah. He's getting nurtured. He's being watered. And he might not fully understand what's going on, but he's just, he just knows that he's receiving what he needs. Yeah. And in the same manner, it made us think like, well, what if there's like a fourth or a fifth dimension being just helping us out? And we, because we lack the sensors, we mm. just don't know that they're there, that they're helping us out.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned explain... DMT
2: yeah, yeah. earlier. And I wanted to tell you that your eyes reminded me of that two-minute journey that I had. <laughs> it, was, it was really short, but so profound. Mm. And my breath started speeding up really, really, really fast. I felt like Pranayama really came in handy <laughs> during that experience. I yeah. just felt my breath start increasing and I had to make more space. I had to make more space for this breath. Mm. And all around me, I just... um, It's mm. like... uh. totems? The totems? It's like a, it's like you're encapsulated in a circle, but it's not a circle. It's infinity. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it was infinity around me, and it was all bright yellow, orange, and red colors, and they mm. were just Mayans, like infinite geometric Mayans everywhere wow. that I looked. There was no space in between, and they were telling me, just be here. Just be mm. here just be here and i was i had never felt so and there's just no word. it's <laughs> just no wow. word. if you just feel so in your body and not in your body and in space and on every planet at the same time and you are just you have become one yeah wow
0: yeah i like when the the um inside outside thing breaks down at a certain point usually on psychedelics but sometimes in deep meditation where um you know, because the chattering monkey sometimes hypnotizes us into the assumption that there's me and everything else, you know, and, and that mm-hmm. there's a communication maybe between me and some divine being. But then at a certain point, the walls come down. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's no, you know, you get to the non-dual place where it's not me and thee anymore. It's just sort mm-hmm. of us. And and everything that I used to think was the sky is actually inside my head, you know, and and, and it's just sort of like, it all flips around in a in a really wonderful way, but I mean it, it it's it's humbling for sure because whatever uh, you know whatever we have been using to try to get by from day to day some you know something our parents taught us or some book you know what I mean some mathematical formula to make it all make sense like all it, whatever it is is just erased you know? <laughs> and you just kind of have to come back and go oh <laughs> okay you know, exactly. Like, yeah, but you have different priorities, different assumptions, different. Um, it's you. Can, it it seems like that's where the movement toward the healing of the human race and breaking down of barriers and all these things become just sort of a natural thing that people perceive when they stop poisoning themselves <laughs> with uh, with with toxins of advertising or, or or literal toxins from, you know. Yeah,
1: the...
2: you're amazing. I'm. Oh, thank you. I'm really. <laughs> <laughs> I... This is, these topics are trendy. I mean, if I could say they're trendy-ish topics, or at least they're trendy to me because I'm thank interested God. in them. Yeah, yeah. But but it's not it's not very often that you can really go deep and expand on on all of these things with with a lot of people. But I'm, I'm so happy that you're one of them and that there oh, thank are you. more. Thank <laughs> There's you. so many more. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you.
0: But is there anything you guys want to mention? Um, Anything coming up that you want to plug even?
2: Yes, we have a retreat coming up in Spain. We Mm -hmm. only have four spots left, but we do have four spots. So that means Mm -hmm. it's there. And it's open for anyone who feels like they are ready to do exactly a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Open up, break down walls, remove false ideas, learn about self-compassion. And, and people can um,
0: find you by searching for Kiva Yoga Institute, K-I-V-A. Yep. Yeah. Right? And what's mm-hmm. ki- what's, what is Kiva?
2: So Kiva is... Well, let me start from the beginning. Okay. I first found out about the name Kiva when I went to California and I bought this uh, mint cannabis chocolate <laughs> and the brand was called Kiva. Nice. <laughs> and it was it was really good. The mint chocolate, I couldn't believe that it even had medicine in it. It was really good chocolate. And I'm a chocolate connoisseur undercover. And so Israel had a piece, a very small piece, and was able to go into this really deep ayahuasca kind of medicine journey. And I was so inspired by that and, and and thought about the intention that must have been in the medicine. And there's something special between the person who makes the medicine and the experience that you're able to have while on it. So then I went into what does Kiva mean? And I found out that it's called an underground ceremony. Mm. And I like things underground because um, I like attention, but I like intimate (laughs) attention. I don't know of that. So too much, like a crowd or too many people, it starts to make me nervous and, and right. scare me off. But some kind of underground intimate ceremony is something where I feel I can really open yeah. up, be safe and come alive. And that's, that's where the name came from.
0: That's also, it seems where all great movements start is underground, like a few people, you know, like uh, the catacombs in Alexandria or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. So Kiva Yoga Institute and, uh, and that's in Spain or they can go to kiva.yoga forward slash Spain, right? K-I-V-A yes. period or dot Y-O-G-A forward slash someone that leans forward, uh, Spain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, just Spain, not, not Spain, just S-P-A. Just, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> no, cool. We're also going to Thailand in November. So if that's something that maybe nice. since you're already in that area...
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, everything's saying I should go to Thailand. I have a Siberian friend who runs a Russian restaurant in Thailand that I want to visit. And uh, my sister's telling me to go to Thailand. And uh, so, yeah, I'll definitely still be around in November, hopefully. And uh, maybe I'll pick November for going to Thailand. How's the weather in November?
2: Um, It's like 74 to 64. How cool. You guys
0: use Fahrenheit too? (laughs) She does. No, That's so I weird. Do. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So about Mexico Celsius, City's have... metric? It's yes. metric, yeah. The whole world except for the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
2: can't get used to it. I still Google it. It's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for being my guest on the To Be A Yogi podcast today.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: You're welcome. And I... Good. Hope that you have a lot of fun in Spain. And uh, hopefully I will see you in Thailand in November.
2: That would be really that sounds great. That wonderful. I hope you have a yeah. great time in India and you learn a lot and then you share with us. We'll Thank be, you. We'll be in touch so I can pick your brain afterwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And, I'll, um, and I'll, I'll interview people and post episodes and you'll see them.
2: Okay. Great.
0: Thank you, Crystal Ariel and Israel Passos for being my guests on the to be a yogi podcast tonight special thanks to brian Dahl for the music you're listening to right now and that's b-r-y-i-n-d-a-l-l and of course special thanks to you for listening to this podcast episode Namaste.